What's up everybody and welcome back, welcome back to the Bridging the Gap podcast. I hope you're all well. I'm great, thank you for asking. Uh, we've been a, we've had a little bit of a very busy January where I've been kind of sorting out my systems and the way that I've been controlling things. I've obviously got a new videographer at the moment. If you guys haven't noticed, please follow me on Instagram, Josh Bridgman. Please follow me on YouTube, Josh Bridgman Fitness. And you'll see the upgrade that we've been made. So I've had to do a lot of corresponding with him a lot of things that have just taken my mind off podcasting. But we've got a goal this year for podcasts. I want 52 podcasts this year, averaging one a week, of course. We've missed a few weeks, so it means we've got a few double weeks coming up. Uh, and I wanted to just delve today into just purely bodybuilding and fit. Excuse me. I hiccuped. Uh, a little bit of bodybuilding and fitness because we do tend to go awry every now and again, which is absolutely fine. But I do love to bring it back to that core that I am about, that 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 core value of fitness and health and well-being that I have at the bottom of my heart. So we're going to get into it. I asked you guys some questions on Instagram, uh, so we're just going to go ahead and read through them pretty much in order uh, and just try to get through as many of these relating to bodybuilding. I had someone ask me about fucking wireless headphones, so please forgive me, that guy. I'm not going to answer your question because I don't know because I don't spend that much on headphones. Uh First question, would I recommend a 15 to 16 year old to eat differently to an adult? Now, the only thing that you'd need to probably consider is just being a smaller human. So you're probably not going to need as much. Um, but then we've also got to consider that you're a growing human. So you might need a little bit more. Um, I would much more worry about how you need to eat it as an individual rather than a young person versus an old person because you get people with fast metabolisms but you also get people with slow metabolisms and it's it's up to you to be able to find what what works for you you know we all have the same digestive system so majority of the time we're gonna digest and absorb very 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 similarly um, of course there is some kind of culture differences that may be there Maybe you're from a long line of Asians. You may not be able to digest milk as much as as much as a long line of Scandinavians, for example. Uh, so that's just something to consider. But I wouldn't eat any differently. Um, the only difference would probably just be the amounts. So that would literally just be, are you gaining weight? Are you losing weight? Eat more, eat less. Simple. Depending on your goal, of course. Weed timing around workouts. I know we want to stay bodybuilding here, but he said workout, so it's fine. Uh, so I wouldn't smoke around a workout. Um, I wouldn't, sorry, I wouldn't advise smoking around a workout. It doesn't mean I don't. Um, just because there are some anti-inflammatory properties to THC, more to CBD. Um, but with C, with THC, there are some anti-inflammatory properties in there, which we know that can obviously anti-inflame you. And it's not a word, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, and we actually need that inflammation from a workout, that positive inflammation from a workout, because there's that inflammation that drives a response from our body to order to, to make sure that inflammation doesn't build up again. Um, so it's, it's almost like a, a necessary inflammation, right? But inflammation around from a workout, around from where you don't need or should have inflammation, you obviously can use anti-inflammatories around that, that, that area. But if you're around your workout, I, I would honestly stay away from any vitamins, any curcumin or anything that's going to kind of, or anything that's promoted as anti-inflammatory. It doesn't mean it's going to work as anti-inflammatory, but anything that's that's remotely anti-inflammatory, I would stay away from around your workout just because we are trying to keep that inflammation because it's a positive inflammation and it's a necessary part of the uh, hypertrophy uh, puzzle equation, whatever you want to call it. 
Does density and filling out your frame come with time? So yeah, I've, I've, it definitely, definitely does. Um, the further and further you get down the line, the bigger and bigger your frame is going to be, the more dense you are going to get. Uh, you do have to consider some kind of genetic differences. Some people just can't get dense. Some people can't get dense enough. <laughs> you know, like I know guys who are super dense naturally, um, but they mess, maybe they can't get lean or something, you know. But in, in general, the longer you bodybuild, the longer you put yourself under stress of bodybuilding, the longer you go under hypertrophy scenarios, the bigger a muscle is going to get, the bigger tendons are going to get, the stronger ligaments are going to get. So essentially, the thicker, the denser you will get. <coughs> oh, <coughs> I should really... Should I, cough? should I cut these out? No, fuck it. It's in. We're doing a one roll. We're doing a one roll. Sorry, everyone who's just uh, pleasantly driving along in the car and you just heard me cough down your microphone, down your speakers. Uh, apologies. So... The the only thing I would consider in terms of, you know, trying to add your thickness or add your density is actually just take your time with it because more often than not, the densest physiques have been doing it the longest. So, like, you look at Phil Heath, you look at Dexter, the Blade Jackson, the, like, obviously, they're very extreme extreme scenarios of, of density, but they are, like, every microfiber of their body is showing, you know, but it's because of the years and years and years of putting an effort um, under the bar. And I think a lot of people will try and shortcut that. And a lot of people will even think that steroids are the shortcut to that. But you quite often get this, like, bubbly physique on steroids, you know? Like, if you look at Regan Grimes, for just as an example, he's 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 obviously pretty dense. And, like, he's denser than, than 99% of the people in the world. But he still has that, like, bubbly feeling to, or look to his muscles right and i think just with a little bit more time under his belt he's gonna he's obviously gonna be fucking amazing like he looks incredible but a little bit more time under his belt hard in that physique dense in that physique um he'll be on to a winner so don't rush don't rush density like density is earned you know it's definitely not like it's not like you can get lean and then get fat like density is earned over a long period of time so um just just keep keep on with it how to warm up your legs uh so I can pretty much summarize how to warm, warm anything, right? Because I think people often ask me, how do you warm your legs? How do you warm your shoulders? Well, I often really just warm up in the movement. There's no need for me to be doing stretches. I don't need to be strong in in any position other than what I'm about to go into, right? I don't need to ready my body for any other position than it's about to go into. And I know a lot of people say, oh, you should do dynamic lunges and you know, jump squats and all this kind of stuff. But if you're not going to go into a squat or a lunge, like, I don't really see the point of you doing that. Don't get me wrong. Get blood flowing, get the hips moving, get the joint, the synovial flu, uh, the synovial fluid in your, in your joints moving a little bit. Just get, getting more heat into the joints, however you need to do that. And then just go into the movement and just start low and take, you know, more warm-up sets than you normally would do on your first exercise. I actually put a post up yesterday about my pool workout and it went something along the lines of, don't quote me if I'm wrong, First exercise, four to five warm-ups. Second exercise, three to four warm-ups. Third exercise, two to three. And you get where I'm going with this. The, the further on in my in my workout, the less warm-up sets I had because I was warm and I was ready, I was primed. But while you're getting ready, while you're getting primed, don't rush that process. You know, let's take your legs, for example, right? I might do some some air squats, right? I might just get things moving. You know, you get those cracks out. You know, when you always squat down, your knees and ankles always crack, right? Maybe it's just me and I'm a decrepit old man. 
Um, but maybe just doing a few air squats, you know, just limbering up, moving dynamically, no static stretches. We don't want to be doing static stretches before a workout. Static stretching is, is shown to improve your parasympathetic nervous system, the opposite of what we want. Um, it's also shown to just increase and elongate that muscle when we actually want it to be short and elastic and powerful. You can do this kind of thing away from your workout, of course, but when we're looking before a workout, dynamic, you know, moving, trying to get your heart rate a little bit higher, trying to get blood flowing to the area that you want to use. More often than not, I'm doing a few air squats, I'm doing a few, you know, circles of my hips, I'm doing a few open the gate, close the gate football specials. And then I'm just going to get into my workout and I'm going to take as many warm-up sets as I need to to feel like, okay, I'm ready to put everything into this set now. Sometimes it's seven or eight sets. Sometimes it's two or three because I've warmed up a little bit more before, you know. But I think ultimately, just go through the motions of what you're about to go through. Ready yourself for a squat. You know, maybe you air squat. If you do your squats first, do a few light sets of squats, you know. Get that connection there. Feel powerful. Feel strong under the bar. You know, you don't you don't want to be doing a load of hamstring curls and extensions if the first extension first uh, exercise is going to be squats. You know, so whatever your first few exercises are, warm up in those movements, and once you're ready to go, you know, don't waste the energy and just go for it. So there's no magic way. I'll do the same thing for my upper body. You know, like if I've got any upper body, I'll probably warm my shoulders up a little bit, a few little rotator cuffs here and there, just get some blood in there, keep them safe because obviously rotator cuffs being pretty pretty small combination of muscles can often pop and, and 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 especially when you're going in coldish and you're trying to go heavy start off with you know warm up well you know whatever you need to do and then just go through the motion go through the movement and when you're ready you'll be ready how to manage alcohol and bodybuilding um i'm not the best person to ask i don't drink ever that's a lie i do but not very much. <laughs> uh, I drink like three, four times a year, and it'll be very, very special occasions. For example, being on a holiday, maybe a friend's birthday, but I wouldn't normally drink on my birthday or anything or Christmas. Um, so I personally wouldn't manage body alcohol and bodybuilding. How boring is that? I just wouldn't drink if I was bodybuilding, especially when I'm using exogenous hormones. There's no need for me to put my body under more stress. But for those of you cats who want to drink and bodybuild, it's not the end of the world, let me tell you, because calories in versus calories out really really works <laughs> so something i say to my clients like a lot of my clients obviously still drink uh, and they like to have a social life it's a big part of people sort of of society let alone people's you know people's nature and stuff um so i would honestly look to look to just save a few calories for that weekend you know maybe do an extra bit of cardio if you need to if you're going to go over that is but you know if your calories are up nice and high you're in an off season i would not even worry about counting it i'll just go have a good night recover when you can and get back to it um but if you're in a cut and you need to be calorie conscious just be calorie conscious pick spirits you know pick low calorie options zero zero sugar options and then just have at it, you know, and then whatever, come back to it. If It, it shouldn't be a frequent thing. I'm, I'm a big believer that you shouldn't be frequently drinking anyway. So if it's not a frequent thing, it's not going to have too much of an impact. I just wouldn't worry too much. You know, it's not going to suddenly kill your gains. Yes, you're going to feel shit the next day, but you're not going to suddenly wake up with no muscle. It doesn't work like that. It has to take weeks to atrophy. Um, so, yeah, like, you, you can be sensitive about it, you know. If you're someone who's drinking every single day, you, you ain't bodybuilding properly. So I would not worry. How can you target your quads more on a leg press? I often just feel my hamstrings and glutes. So we know that quad recruitment is massively affected by your knee flexion or how much your knee is kind of flexing and extending, which just means how how much is your quad uh, stretching and contracting. 
as you can imagine, you're on a, a leg extension. As you lift the leg extension up, that is what we call contraction or the concentric. And as you come back down, uh, essentially you want to be getting your heel as close to your bum as possible to fully elongate that quad. Um, now, if you look at a leg press, obviously that range of motion, if you put your feet quite high, right now I'm, I'm picturing a leg press. You've got your plate in front of you, you're sat in the seat, you put your feet up quite high. Um, or say like towards the, the, the top 25% of the plate. You lower the weight down, your knees bend, your ankles bend, and you come down to this point where your lower back is just about to come off, and then you'll press back up. And I've probably got my legs to just over a right a, a right angle, maybe a 90-degree angle at the knee joint, you know, from, from coming across my calf and down my hamstring. But if we stick our feet in the lower 25%, this has to bear in mind that your ankle range of motion, your ankle mobility is sufficient enough. So often I'll use lifters or things that raise your heels and, and this will kind of give me the ankle mobility that I need to. You'll see that actually the angle decreases from 90 degrees to maybe 45, maybe 30 degrees. And, and some people like you who've got amazing range of motion uh, can go all the way down to just you know hitting their, their calves on the back of their hamstrings and they can get that full lengthening of the quadricep. And that's from putting their feet a little bit lower. So the lower the foot placement on the on the leg press, the more quad recruitment you're going to be getting because the more knee flexion you're going to be entering. So the more the knee will be, uh, sorry, knee fle extension, flexion, yeah, more knee flexion you'll be getting. So the longer the quadricep will be getting, if that makes sense. Uh, and to a certain extent, you can just reverse that for hamstrings and glutes, though Though I would say there are better things for hamstrings and glutes. How much form breakdown is okay? Now, I'm a big believer in keeping things as immaculate as possible. However, I'm not so dogmatic that I know that to get those fucking reps that you want, you know, those, those fucking gritters where you're like, I do not want to let this bar go. Those, want, those times where it all lines... I'm a big, you know, I'm a big believer you've got to take those when they're there with, you know, a 10 to 20% form sacrifice. You know, it would depend largely on the movement. If a movement is a lot more, um, or, or a movement is not as safe as another movement, for example, I would say a leg press is largely much safer than a squat, right? Because a squat has got a lot more moving parts, at least on a, on a leg press, your, your spine's pretty fixed. You've got the handles to, to lock yourself in. And if, if you fail, you just slip out of it and, and the weight can drop down. But if you fail a squat, you've got your core to worry about, your hips, your knees and your ankles, and then also your arms and your elbows to keep you stable. I'd be much less willing to take a risk on form on a movement like a squat versus a leg press, for example, or a, or a leg extension, for example. So the less dangerous or the more safe an exercise is, the more I would probably sway to having quote-unquote worse form. Yeah, so a bicep curl, for example. I, I'm not worried about you flinging, flinging it up a little bit because we know the bicep's actually a little bit weak in the lengthened position, you know, stronger in the middle position, and then actually weaker again in the top position. So, like, if you're throwing it up at that first position where you're fully fatigued, you're holding it nicely in the middle position, then maybe you slightly rotate back to get it short. I'm not too worried about it because the worst it's going to do is, is is maybe impinge your shoulder a little bit, but I, I can't see it causing a catastrophic injury. Whereas if you're trying to yank a fucking deadlift up and your back concaves into a C 
facing down, you know, like that's not good because you're just dragging your spine, you know, dragging all of those vertebrae through a lot of weight all the way up your hips. So there's 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 definitely a caveat to to taking your form to a place that's not not acceptable. Um, you've just got to find that balance with with certain exercises at the right time. So uh, just make sure you're choosing those safer exercises to do that on. If it's something that's a pretty big compound, pretty fucking heavy, I'm probably not going to risk a poor form rep because that could be make or break. That could be make or break. And when you get into a prep, a little side note to this, when you get into a prep or a competition or anything like that, I would be taking those risks uh, less and less and less just because the risk for injury does not need to be there. So I hope that makes sense. What rep ranges are best for muscle growth? This is a really good question. So pretty much the summary of a body, I should say the body of research at the moment, because no real research is true because every fucking week there's research to say it's different. But the main body of research at the moment is saying that anywhere between six and 30 plus reps is going to elicit a very similar amount of hypertrophy if you're taking it uh, to a similar intensity, say for example like a 7 or 8 out of 10, we know that you're probably going to get a very similar uh, response from 6 or 7 reps as to 30. Now, you know, the percent difference between 6 to 10 or 10 to 20 or 20 to 30, it's not necessarily known. There's not there's not like one to say that actually 6 to 10 is the best and then 10 to 20 is the second best and 30, 20 to 30 is the worst best. You can't make that differentiation. So my advice is to always train across those rep ranges. Have some 6 to 10s, have some 10 to 15s, but then also have your 20 to 30s that just fucking hurt, you know? Like there's, there is there is something to be said for the pump, for sure. Like I think a lot of people get away, especially in this JP era, and nothing to take away from him because I've been training like that forever. Uh, there's a lot of just people chasing weight, 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 weight. And don't get me wrong, muscle damage, muscle mechanical tension from weight is going to elicit a lot of hypertrophy. Um but let's not get away from 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 the pumpy stuff as well, because I do think that has some kind of value. Maybe in terms of vasculature, putting a lot of blood volume through the the blood, and then then obviously reducing it. Uh, you know, there's some pretty good research into occlusion training now, which is of course blood flow restriction training, where you're you're restricting the blood flow out of the muscle but allowing it in still. So it just causes like mass blow up and pump in the muscle. And we know there's some pretty good research into the hypertrophy mechanisms of that and it's actually helping. So there's there's no reason why why you know doing those high rep sets don't work as well. Um they definitely do. I would just I just wouldn't cut yourself short. I would just do all of them, you know. Uh, I'd probably stay away from doing them on like a multi-compound on a compound lift, sorry, where you've got a multitude of muscles. So for example, like a, I probably wouldn't be doing a 30 rep bench press because it would be so taxing. It'd potentially ruin the rest of your session. So the higher rep sets would definitely between would be on like a single joint movement, like a bicep curl or something, you know, or a tricep. Something that you can isolate quite well. Even <coughs> Oh my God. This is probably the worst podcast I've ever done. Uh, or something like a fly, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's very, very, it's, it's not taxing compared to like a big fucking press, you know, or a leg extension versus a squat, you know, which one's going to wreck you, you know, so you could probably do that stuff on, 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 on those isolatory motions and movements. Uh, the question here was best way to improve my bench press, but I'm just, just I've changed it to the best way to improve a lift. Uh, so the best way to do something better is to do it more. Uh, now there is a caveat to doing more more does not always equals better especially in bodybuilding where there's a huge fatigue to stimulus ratio that you've got to consider 
So if you go in and do six sets on your bench press, and the next day you do six sets on your bench press, the next day you do six sets on your bench press, there's going to be a, well, probably that second day you're not going to achieve the same as what you did on that first day because you're going to be sore, you're going to be tired. So that just means that you need to take down your volume. You know, like there was a point where I was only doing four sets on my chest and it was just, it was blowing up. My my progress was blowing up, um, and progress was just happening week in week out with 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 the lower volume. So, depending how like there's a you see of all these questions, there's so many depending's on right. How long have you been training for? How long have you been benching for? How many times are you benching a week? How many times are you benching in a session? How many sets are you doing in a session? Like if you're doing four sets of ten to fifteen reps in a session, take it to two, and I promise you, you'll go straight up. You'll go straight up. If you're doing five by five, all that typical bullshit. Is 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 your food right? Are you sleeping well? Did you sleep well the night before? You know, did your pre-workout hit you like a ton of bricks, or was it shit and you feel tired? There is so many aspects to bodybuilding that you need to consider. That my weight didn't go up this week, or my weight on the bar didn't go up this week. I don't know why. Is not doesn't suffice anymore. Now it's you know now my reasoning for a lift not going up is like oh my sleep was slightly off here actually maybe my caffeine wasn't timed right maybe this was off there's all these different things that can influence this can and will influence you right so the best thing that you can do in a situation where you're not improving a lift is control your variables control what you're eating control what you're sleeping control the amount of volume that you're doing if you're if you're swaying above three or four sets for that improvement for that uh exercise you're trying to improve even if you if you're more take it down half it and then see if you progress and, I, and i'm confident that you will do and then as soon as you start progressing that's when you will kind of slowly imp- increase the amount of volume that you do in terms of work sets and then you're gonna have to just find right before you find those diminishing returns so let's say i start you on one set of bench presses <laughs> 60 kilos, the weight doesn't matter, one set of bench presses, I guarantee you'll, you'll, you'll increase that bench press set every single week, uh, so the next, you know, we'll run that for three weeks, then you'll add one set on, you know, you'll do one extra set and then we'll see how you get on for the next three weeks, still progressing really, really well, still feeling good, still recovering well, let's try three sets, Ooh, oh, I'm feeling really sore now, I did manage to get my second set on here. Okay, okay, two sets is perfect. And that's that's the thought process I'm taking with everyone, of all my clients. I'm asking these questions. How did it feel? How was the session? Do you feel wrecked? Do you feel tired? You know, are you sore? How long are you sore for? Are you too sore? Are you not sore enough? There's all these different questions that you've got to ask yourself as you go through. So, you know, just just open your book and and, and allow yourself to see these different variables come in because I think a lot of people just focus on the lift not going up for whatever reason, but then had a fucking dominoes for breakfast. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, come on, sort it out. What would I think if someone called me the new era Tom Platts? Um, I would say I do not do as much high volume as him. I do not have as good legs as him. Um, I'm probably not as motivating as him either. <laughs> Uh, but I would massively take the compliment. Uh, I fucking love that dude in terms of mindset, like the places that he pushed himself. Like I, I think I remember watching him do like a some stupid like 180 or, or it might even been 220 squat for like 30 or 40 reps. And I just think, Jesus Christ, how do you even do that? Insanity. The next question is best movements for pec growth. So my advice here is going to be what do we know that the pec does? So we know that the pec largely causes 
adduction from the humerus across to the sternum. So essentially, the bringing the arm across the sternum like a fly, but then also it allows a press, right? Because that's like a it's like a multifunction of the pec. So you also you like so you'd want to be doing a flying movement, even across. I'm like flying as we speak, right? Put your hands out in front of you. Don't do this if you're driving. Put one hand out in front of you, perfectly straight, and then just bring it across your body, perfectly straight, perfectly straight, perfectly straight, and you're gonna feel your pec just get like a ball, like become like a ball, right? And we we call that short. We call that contracted. So we know to get fully contracted, you've got to bring your pec fully across your body. Whereas if you bring your hand out into a pressing motion, and you and you press down and you press back. It doesn't get as it doesn't bunch up into a ball as much as a fly, right? So you've got to consider that um, when you're programming. But then, in 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 my head, I re I hear that and I'm like, oh, okay, so I could just do a fly because you go fully wide and then you come fully short, which is better than a pe than than a press, right? Sure, potentially. But then we've got to consider the load that you're using. So whereas you can stick three plates on a bench press, you can only use pin eight which is not 140 kilos through a press. So in my opinion, get it, working the muscle that you want has to come in, in the thought process of what ranges do I want to be working this in the most effectively. So we know that, like, I'm just going to say how it is. A fly is probably the best exercise we can do to work the pec in the shortest range, that most contracted, because you can get there quite easily or easier then you need like some kind of converging pec press that you could really drive your elbows across, but then also load up pretty damn strong. Um, so it's pretty good. For, it flies pretty good for, for working that shortened range, you know, because you can load it quite heavy in that shortened range. Like try to get 140 kilos across your body. You're not going to do it, you know, like in a almost like a fly press. You're not going to do it. And then if you take a press, you're working really, really heavy in, in that lengthened to mid and then potentially a little bit of short as you fully extend right so so you can use a press to fully destroy your lengthened and middle range lengthened means fully elongated so stretched in, in layman's terms people keep asking what does short and long mean it just means where, how is the muscle is it short okay it's contracted is it long yeah it's elongated so to work your pec in a fully elongated and middle range uh, you'd probably want a big old press in there because you can load it heavy, you can tax it when it's, you know, in a pretty strong position. Uh, and then as it gets, you know, into that that position that's much difficult, much more difficult to get into, like a, uh, a getting it nice and contracted, then you can use the fly and you can work it in different ranges. You can do that for everything, you know, like do I do the, I do a very, very similar thing for, for uh, legs. Like I'll do my extensions first because getting fully extended is pretty difficult to do. Like you don't lock out your legs on a leg press. You don't lock out your legs on a on a hack squat because you're gonna snap up because the weight because the weight's on you, right? So you don't fully extend, but on a leg extension you can. So getting that full contraction, you know, is is a really really good idea. And and so you just you need a combination of both. There's no one single exercise, but I would say some sort of flying motion, one that suits you best, and some sort of pressing motion. Uh, one that, that that suits you best. How important do you think it is to match strength profile to the resistance profile? So this is something that I've been talking about a lot recently, and also I've had a lot of backlash from the big bodybuilders saying, "What are you fucking talking about banding for? What are you using cuffs for?" Well, how important do you think it is? 
Probably not massively, but I think it's stupid if we don't, if that makes sense. We don't need to do the stuff that Arnold did. We don't need to do the stuff that Dorian did because we have way more knowledge about how pecs work. We have way more knowledge about how every single muscle works. We have more knowledge about how joints work. We have a, we have more knowledge about joint forces. We have more knowledge about everything to do with bodybuilding. So I don't know why we wouldn't use it, if that makes sense. So do you can, can you build a world-class physique without matching strength and resistance profiles 100% yes because 99% of all bodybuilders have done that I've never ever seen a top 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 bodybuilder put a band on anything use cuffs use chains or anything like that with knowledge of what they're doing none of them you know if you could, if you know someone other than the hypertrophy coach who's not really a massive bodybuilder he's just a, uh, an influencer then please let me know because I'd, I'd love to know someone who's manipulating the strength profile imagine phil heath yeah we're just trying to manipulate the strength profile here like you don't need it you don't need it but i think it's a marginal gain and i'm in the business of marginal gains i'm in the business of tracking every single thing doing every single little gain that i can to improve my results to get there quicker now you might not need to do it um and i wouldn't say that you have to go do it but i would say that with the knowledge we have, it, it, it's a bit silly not to. And it doesn't make much sense not to because you're working in a better contractile range. You're working when you're you're working when you're stronger, you're stronger. When you're working you're weaker, you're working it a little bit weaker and you're matching it and you can fully milk that muscle um, even more. In fact, there was something really cool that I saw I heard the other day. Um, there's a new bit of equipment that's that, that's on air pressure. And essentially on the handles that you're going to have, you can reduce the air pressure or increase the air pressure as you're getting weaker. So imagine you're in a bench press and you've got a handle with a button on it and you're pressing, you're getting fatigued, you're getting fatigued. You can just lighten that load as you go and you can just absolutely destroy um, destroy uh, that muscle, which is, which is pretty cool. So, I don't know. Like, is it, How important is it? It's not massively, massively. It's not going to be the be-all and end-all. But I do think I do think it's something to consider. And I do think you'd be silly if you're not. I'll just do a few more questions. I know we're creeping up into 30 minutes. Um, which is not too bad of time for a podcast. Maybe we get a few more in. Um, how to minimize muscle loss on a cut. So, this is, this is a good question now. Obviously, we're going to assume that protein's in an adequate position. Uh, the the, the, the the thing that built your muscle is what's going to keep it right so if you if you built your muscle getting strong you know doing doing heavy lifts you know whatever it is that's the kind of thing that you need to be doing in your cut I don't know if it's a thing anymore but it used to be a thing where bulking would be like heavier reps and then cutting would be lighter reps and that is just a recipe for muscle loss like you have to give your muscle a reason to stay your body is efficient. Your body is going to get rid of whatever is 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 not needed, right? So if you're doing less and and not training as much, your body offloads muscle because it doesn't need it there, right? Your body is going to adapt to the situation. However, if you're constantly barraging your body with hypertrophy and, and stimulus and protein, it's going to build muscle because it, it recognizes that it needs more muscle to cope with the demand, and it just works. That's exactly how it works in a in a, in a cut. Give your body every single reason to get rid of body fat only and keep muscle. You've got to keep the training hard. You've got to train as hard as you can. Um, I mean, things like minimize your deficit time, maybe take a, a diet break, maybe reverse diet, you know, deload when you can. 
sleep as well as you physically can sleep has a huge impact on 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 muscle comp on body composition sorry so a higher muscle to, to body fat ratio so these are things that you really really need to consider for a successful prep um but the my biggest thing is training you know you've got to train like you fucking want it and it, and, it, and and you're much more likely uh to be able to to, to, to hang hang with it and to keep it there you know like even on assistance even when i was using gear like I, i'm pretty sure i lost a little bit of muscle because there were times where i was super flat and i just thought damn i lost a little bit of muscle you know so even when you're on these anabolics like you're still going to lose a little bit um you've just got to do what you can to, to to minimize it as much as possible possible uh, right, I'm just going to go through, uh, those are the ones I wrote down, so I'm just going to go through my Instagram now and just pick up any any stragglers that are coming in as we speak. Um, showing signs of a deload, but not wanting to waste time on a cycle. Uh, <laughs> deload, bro, like, whatever, what's a, what's a week in the scheme of a life? Like, one week, you're not going to lose loads of gains, especially when you're on cycle, you'll probably continue to grow because your body needs the rest, so all that repair is going to happen in that week. So don't don't worry about it. Just 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 uh, go ahead and take it off. It wouldn't wouldn't it wouldn't be much of an effect. In fact, it'd probably help you a lot. Um, okay, last question: Do I think that decline chest exercises are beneficial at all? Uh, so a lot of it is going to affect. It's going to be like what your uh, your sternum angle is and how nice a press feels. For me, I press decline really, really well. I'm really, really fucking strong at a decline. Um, I don't know what it is, um, but it just helps quite a lot. Uh, but you know the people who have got maybe like a slight pigeon chest where their con their concave is like outwards? Like they might be more accustomed to something like an incline just because they've probably got that lower pec development anyway just because of the shape of their sternum. Um, and 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 similarly, like the opposite, probably good for everything. Like I, I can flat press, I can I can do all kinds of press because I've got a pretty pretty. Is concaved in or out? I think concaved is like with the dip in. So I've got a dipped in sternum, and obviously the pigeon is the opposite, where it kind of curves out like a like a bowl or whatever. Um, so I can flat press, I can incline press, I can do every every press pretty much pain free. Um, but you're going to feel it, like you'll feel it, your body is going to tell you which one's good for you, like you can get in a decline and be like, oh I've got no shoulder pain for the first time ages, that's probably the one for you, or I've got this flat press and no, this feels really fucking good, that's the one for you, if you do incline and maybe it impinges your shoulder too much, maybe that's not the one for you, so it's about trying things and, and, and just learning the angles that fit you best. Um, and then just going from there. So that's it guys, we're going we're gonna to leave it there, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this little this little Q&A sode and, and we'll be back very, very soon, guys. So don't forget to leave a, a rating if you rate it. If you don't, don't don't rate it below five stars. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. We'll see you soon. Don't forget to uh, check out the new YouTube. It's coming. We're coming in hot. Peace and love, everybody. Have a good one.